uh, tonight the theme is from Proverbs. Once again, we're going to talk about integrity. Uh, I, I gave a similar message on along these lines several years ago. Some of you may have heard it. Um, and if you did, then you're going to hear my opening story that's going to get us into it. it it's, it's worth repeating because it is legendary. <laughs> uh, it's, it's a story about how I was fooled by one of the most notorious con men of all time. Um, <laughs> I, I, you can go to the first, yeah, so there's integrity. Oh, so the title of the message is Shalom on the Inside, and we'll get to what that means. Um, but let me just tell you about um, con artist number eight on list versus all-time list, or Time Magazine con artist number 10 of all time. Uh, not only did he fool me, he also fooled Princeton University. So you can go to the next slide. So on the top left, you'll see that's a picture of James Hogue. Is anybody familiar with this story? Yeah. Okay, okay, so we have a few people familiar with this story. Um, when I was a first year student here, so this is back in 1990, um, everybody else knew him as Alexis Indri Santana. So direct your attention to the bottom right of the screen. I know him because I was on the track team with him. Um, when he applied to Princeton, he used the alias Alexis Indri Santana, even though he was actually James Hogue, right at the top left. James Hogue had a lengthy criminal record that he hid when he applied. Nobody knew it. Um, I and everybody else on the track team knew him as Alexi. He was slightly strange. He was a pretty fast runner. You, you can't fake that. Um, and he was a brilliant young man. I, I ran with him most every day. I remember a three-hour conversation that I had with him on the, on the way to Cornell one, one time. And, and he was known as one of the smarter guys in the team. He would take five or six classes at Princeton and get very high grades. And he was a member of Ivy Club, you know, on Prospect Avenue. He told us that he grew up in Utah, and he taught himself by reading philosophers while he tended to his sheep. <laughs> no, I'm not kidding. Um, we just thought he was a renaissance man. <laughs> One, one time, he told the university, Princeton University, that he had to take a gap year to take care of his mother who had cancer. It turned out he had to go back to Utah to serve time in jail. That was the real reason, but he kept that concealed. Um, but then in 1991, so this is now my sophomore year, at a track meet in Yale, no, that's actually still my freshman year, his deception was exposed. Um, he was running the 5,000 meters. And while he was running, uh, the announcer said, and there goes Alexis Injury Santana moving up into like third place. And there was a woman there in the, in, the, in the stands. Her name was Paula, I think Paula Pacheco. Oh no, sorry, but we know Paula Pacheco. It's <laughs> Renee Pacheco, oh, it's very confusing. <laughs> Renee Pacheco, she went to high school with him. And she said, that's not Alexis Injury Santana, that is James Pogue. So she went, she told the authorities, she told the police, and unbeknownst to us, like we came back to Princeton, and late at night, he was arrested, okay? That was on the weekend, and then on Monday, when we show up to, to practice, there's a bunch of reporters at the locker room saying, hey, could you tell me about James Hogue? And all of us are like, James Hogue, who's James Hogue? <laughs> no idea who James Hogue is. So we were stunned because we were fooled by this con man. And, and so now, just a little quick postscript before we move on to Proverbs. 
because truth really is stranger than fiction. <laughs> Two years later, in 1993, after he was released from prison, James Hogue concealed his or changed his identity again, and this time he applied for a job at Harvard University. <laughs> and I'm not kidding, he fooled them and got a job at Harvard working at a campus museum where he stole $50,000 in precious jewels and replaced them with fakes. Um, he again was caught and exposed. Um, and then after that, I'm not, I'm not quite sure what happened to him. Um, so a little postscript, like if you, got, if you applied and you got rejected by Harvard, yes, sometimes they do make mistakes. <laughs> not just for James also with you. Right. Anyway, it is strange. Okay, this is an extreme story. It is strange, like when you think that you truly know somebody, and then it just turns out you really just don't know them at all. Right? There's just somebody completely different than you expect, or well, somebody completely different than they really are. It's disorienting to see somebody's private or real self emerge when you only know their public or their projected self. It's very disorienting. And you know, and of course, James Hogue is an extreme example of this. So integrity, it is the exact opposite of all of that, right? And, and before we dismiss James Hogue as so different than us, you know, you can take a close look at your own life and you realize, look, there are those areas that where we too, we lead a double life. You know, where it almost like it be on a much smaller scale, but ways that we craft, you know, that we work hard, to, you know, to sort of cater our, 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 our public self in a way that people see certain things and the certain private things are concealed, right? Who we really are is hidden from what people actually see. And this is, you know, so you can go to the next slide, Corey. Proverbs 27, 19 puts it this way, as water reflects the face, so one's life reflects the heart, all right? Very straightforward, if you look in a mirror, in this case water, if you look in a mirror, the mirror will reflect exactly what you, your face looks like, right? You can't change it. I mean, I know Instagram and Snapchat can filter your face and change it on the screen, but a mirror doesn't do that. In the same way, eventually, your life will reflect what is in your heart, right? You can hide it for a season, but at some point your heart will become visible in words and in actions. People will eventually see who you really are. And this is sobering, right? And, and this is why we need to talk about integrity, all right? So what is integrity? This is thanks to Google. There are a couple of main definitions. One is the quality of being honest and having strong moral principles. The example they give is like they were a person of integrity. Um, and then the second is the state of being whole or undivided. Right? And the example they gave is the in internal racial unrest threatened the integrity of the Federation. So the biblical idea of integrity includes both of these, but particularly the second half, the, the second definition that Google focuses on. And I'll just throw in a little middle school math teacher illustration here, because I did teach middle school math for six years, um, and I taught about integers. You remember the days of math when, 
like learning about integers was one of the hardest things you had to do, right? Those days are gone. Yeah. Um, so integers are the, those sets of whole numbers, like one, two, three, and four, and then all of their opposites, like negative one, negative two, and so forth, right? It's, and it's the same root words where we get our root, the, the word integrity, integer integrity. It, the idea is it's not divided up into fractions. It's whole. And that is biblical integrity. It's the state of being whole, not fragmented pieces or having a double heart or a double life. Not being duplicitous, but whole. This is, and this is ultimately shalom, which I think you know, some of you have heard you know, described in the Bible. It's often described, translated as peace. But, but shalom is that word you know, where it, it, the idea is wholeness or restored unity. Um, it's one of the major themes of the Bible. So let's look at Proverbs and see how it captures several angles of um, integrity or shalom, like this restoration of shalom, where we're not divided anymore. All right, so one angle is, is restored relationships. Okay, so Proverbs 1-7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I think every week that we've talked about Proverbs, we've quoted that because that is the beginning point. Right? The picture of that is what? An unbroken, whole, restored relationship with God. Right? Revering him, fearing him for who he really is. And ultimately, Jesus is the one who secures that restored relationship for us. This is Romans 5, verse 1. Therefore, we have been justified by faith, and now we have peace, shalom, restoration with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of Jesus and his work on the cross, because of his resurrection, we can have a restored relationship with God. We can be at shalom with God. Okay? And a great book for if you want some Christmas reading, I'll give you some. I got a bunch of books to give you, right? Here's one. This is John Stott and the Cross of Christ. And it's about our reconciled relationship with God. It's dense, but it's powerful. Okay? But shalom, biblical shalom, goes beyond that, even in the Proverbs. So you can go to the next slide, Corey. It includes our restored relationship with creation. Proverbs 12.10, the righteous care for the needs of their animals, but the kindest acts of the wicked are cruel. Right? God did not create us to exploit or abuse creation. He created us to be stewards over it. And here in this Proverbs verse, just like, like the simplest animal, right? a person of integrity will treat that animal similar to the way that they would treat another human. I mean, of course, they're different. But the point is, is that like a person who is really, really kind and generous to a human being and then goes home and abuses the animal, that's not integrity. That's not wholeness, right? There's a rupture between that person and something else in creation. And we do this all the time, not just with animals, but with like all, of, all of creation. But biblical shalom has that vision of being now <laughs> at shalom with creation. Us and creation, at peace with one another. Us as stewards over it. And if you want to read a Christian philosopher's thoughts on that, you can read Wendell Berry. I recommend everything that he writes. Uh, but he, he constantly writes about that as a Christian. And one more. God's shalom extends beyond that too. It includes our relationships with each other, of course. Right? Proverbs 22. Do not rob the poor because he is poor. Because like, you have power and you can take advantage of them. Right? Or crush the afflicted at the gate. 
for the Lord will plead their cause and will rob of life those who rob them. And the point there is if you're not at shalom with your neighbor, if you're taking advantage of your neighbor, then you're not at shalom with God, right? You can't say that you're at shalom with God and then do that to a neighbor. That's not integrity. That's not wholeness. And picture here is John Perkins. He's a great preacher and teacher that I actually sat under in seminary for a season. His book, um, Parting Words to the Church on Grace and Love, One Blood, it emphasizes that shalom, that restored unity that we're to strive for across racial lines in the church because we're to have unity in Christ. Okay, So God wants us to experience wholeness, restored unity with him, with creation, and with others. Um, and actually, even within ourselves. And this is shalom. This is integrity. And in fact, I want you to factor this into your understanding of sin. I mean, think about this. Often we think of sin as I'm breaking God's rule, right? Okay, and that's true. But also, think of sin as I am breaking God's shalom. In some way or other, I am breaking the wholeness the restoration that God desires and intends when I sin. That is, that is also a way to think about um, what we do when we sin. All right, so now another angle from Proverbs is integrity has a fruitful destination. And the point here is in the Proverbs, I, I just listed four. Proverbs take, I mean, our integrity takes us somewhere. Right? It, has a, it has a finish line or a destination. I Googled finish line images, and the funniest thing came up, because Jeremy and I were watching a cross-country race. This came up for you. You can put it on the next slide. Um, <laughs> there's the finish line. So this, you can have this image in your mind when you think about a finish line. But this is, um, his name is Jimmy uh, Gressier. He's, he's a French cross-country runner. He's actually one of the best in the world. He's, this is him winning the under-23 European championships. So when, you, when, you're, when you're that fast, you can do embarrassing things like this, and you're fine, right? Um, but yeah, it was like a, it was like a really, really muddy thing. And so what he tried to do is he tried to while well, he was running and he was he was going to break the tape. He tried to like slide on his knees. You know, you see sometimes you see soccer players do that. He tried to slide on his knees through the finish line, but it just totally ended in face plant. <laughs> so I just couldn't help but share that. <laughs> That's exactly what I was doing this afternoon. I was laughing. Um, all right, please go back to the Proverbs, Corey. Thank you. Okay. But I, I want you to have, there's a finish line, there's a destination in mind with integrity. Or if you don't have integrity, there's also a destination or a finish line. Either way, you're moving toward an end. Okay, so listen to these. Proverbs 11. The integrity of the upright guides them, but the unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity. Proverbs 10, whoever walks in integrity walks securely, but whoever takes crooked paths will be found out. Proverbs 17, one whose heart is crooked does not prosper, one whose tongue is perverse falls into trouble. And finally, Proverbs 22, one who loves a pure heart and who speaks with grace will have the king for a friend, and that, that pure heart is an undivided heart, or a heart of integrity. The eyes of the Lord keep watch over knowledge, but he frustrates the words of the unfaithful. So, you know, just thinking about our own selves, when we, when we spin things on a resume, you know, when we say we know somebody really well, 
but we don't, but we say it to get in with a certain group of people. When we break a commitment to a friend, then we lie about it because, you know, we want to save face. You know, we've done these things, but, you know, what's the destination of that kind of lack of integrity? It's, it's the fear of being, ex- these verses say it, it's the fear of being exposed, right? It's the dread of being discovered as a fake. And, and fatigue in the meantime, because you have to keep this plate spinning in the air. And then usually so at some point the spotlight shines and, you know, our dark secret is revealed. But also notice the destination of the one who has integrity in these verses. There's freedom. There's security. You don't have to live with the, with the fear of being exposed or found out. Right? There's no pillow so soft as a clean conscience. It, it, what else is on the path of integrity? There's prospering. It says having the king for a friend. Right? Like when people see that you're a person of integrity, they can trust you, they can depend on you. Like people in positions of power, kings and so forth, they need trusted advisors that they can lean on. And, and most of all, the, the, one of the emphasis of these verses is, is the Lord's eyes are on you. He, he is keeping watch over those with integrity. He sees how you're living before him. And this is why when you read through some of the Psalms, you see confident prayers um, lifted up to God like this. May, this is Psalm 25. May integrity and uprightness protect me because my hope, Lord, is in you. Right? Psalm 25, 21. So there's a fruitful destination. Um, another angle is integrity purifies our motives. Proverbs 11.1, 1, the Lord detests dishonest scales, but accurate weights are his delight. And Proverbs 29, um, fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. I mean, most of us, we, we, you know, we enter the day wanting to be a person of integrity. I get it, right? It's very few of us enter the day saying, okay, I'm going to be as treacherous as possible to get what I want, right? <laughs> But then why do we fail to be people of integrity? If, if our goal of our intent is that, well, I think simply put, because we fear others more than we fear God. That's, that's what these problems are getting at. We care more about what others see than, and, and whatever their opinion of us is, more than we, we, than we care about what God sees in his opinion of us. Right? I don't mind having, you know, false scales, you know, as, as sort of a, a skewed judgment. God sees it, but as long as other people don't see it and I make some sort of profit off of it, I, I gain something from it, and nobody else can see it, then that's great, right? It's fearing others and what they see more than what, you, um, than what God sees. So wh- why do we tis- tw- twist the truth in a social situation? Why do we act like we're doing well when we're really not? Why are we afraid to speak up if somebody's being mistreated? or stand for truth if it's being mocked, or, you know, reluctant to identify ourselves with Christ among certain people. It's because we're concerned about what others see and think about us. Fear of man will prove to be a snare, and our integrity is that thing that gets caught or snagged in that trap. Right? So a lot of it comes down to whose eyes are we living for. 
we living for God's eyes or others' eyes? And so when you aim for integrity, it has that purifying effect on our motives, where, where God's eyes begin to matter to us more than others. Okay, and another angle, yep. Integrity rightly orders our priorities. Proverbs 19.1. Better is a poor person who walks in his integrity than the one who is crooked in speech and is a fool. You know, there was the college admissions scandal. Um, well, actually, probably every year there's college admissions scandals. But I'm thinking of the one that was several years ago that impacted a lot of people in Hollywood and um, people who had um, money and means. Um, you know, it, it, this proverb today, in light of that, could read something like, better to be a parent or a student who walks in integrity and gains admission to a less prestigious school than one who takes crooked paths for the sake of prestige or future career earnings, right? And then just turn it to us. Like, do we believe that integrity, our integrity is more valuable than a job or a position, or a grad school, or a paycheck, or a diploma? Like, do we believe that our integrity is to be valued above just about any other thing? Right, and that no, we shouldn't put anything else above that. How about in Proverbs 12, 9? Better to, be, better to be a nobody and yet have a servant than pretend to be somebody and have no food. Now, what comes to mind when I hear this proverb, again, sort of that concealing and pretending to be something more than you really are, is, you know, I've seen couples married and dating, and I've seen friends on social media compliment each other. And there's nothing wrong with that, right? Um, and the one person will talk about how great the other person is, and they're doing it publicly so that everybody else can kind of, you know, affirm that. Right? Maybe it's their birthday or something. And then what's really difficult is if you can see something that others can't see. That, like you know that between those two friends or in that, that couple's relationship, like they're having a really difficult time right now. And you're one of the few people, maybe the only person who knows that, right? It's really hard to be in that position. And I'm gonna take Proverbs 9 and I'm gonna flip it around and just update it for 2021 in social media and, and those kinds of moments. Better to have a real friend and a real relationship where you're on really good terms with each other than to pretend that all is well and great by posting nice things about a friend or a spouse that you're actually quite upset with. And again, I'm not about I'm not against about posting nice things about somebody else, but it's, it, like that kind of thing is just a band-aid over a much deeper wound. Like the priority here is a real healthy relationship, right? Not the image of a real healthy relationship. And our age, it puts such an unhealthy emphasis on image that that's just gonna constantly lure us away from that, that being a person of integrity and relational wholeness in the world. Okay, well, so one more angle that Proverbs gives us Integrity will deepen our awareness of God's grace. Um, I, I imagine maybe you're convicted by some of these, these Proverbs. I know I am. And so here's the good news. Proverbs says that you don't have to pretend that you're really better than you are. It's beautiful. Um, Proverbs 28. 
Whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. Blessed is the one who fears the Lord always. And I think that has to do both with like confessing sins to somebody else to receive mercy from them, but also confessing our sins to God to receive mercy from him. Being a person of integrity doesn't equal being a perfect person, okay? A perfect person who's always consistent with God, always consistent with others, always consistent with creation. Being a person of integrity means that you will quickly admit and quickly confess when you become that inconsistent person, because you will become that inconsistent person. It, it means that you'll quickly confess when you act in a way that breaks shalom, okay? A person of integrity doesn't conceal things, and we get that, but it's such a relief to know that being a person of integrity, according to the Bible, means that you don't conceal your transgressions either, and that you confess them, and ultimately you turn away from them, and then through that you re receive mercy from others and from the Lord. Oh yeah, the, the dog. Okay, that's a dangerous. That's a dangerous image. But I, you know, you can put a nice bow on something like that dog. <laughs> But it doesn't change how that dog looks, right? <laughs> like, you can put a nice bow on it, but if, if you really need to confess, like, there's nothing that any bow or any kind of cover-up can do. You need to confess. I mean, that dog is really, really cute, but, but it's not very good-looking, right? <laughs> so, you know, we can, we can grow more deeply in God's grace. Okay, Corey, move to the next slide. <laughs> so I want us to consider, and here, just at the last, the last thing, I want us to consider, um, I want us to consider Jesus, all right? I, I want to pray that God will grow us in, 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 as people of integrity, but I also want to consider Jesus. So when we think about Jesus and the cross, we typically think about his love. And that is the right thing to do. Like, out of love, he adored the cross. He took our sin upon himself. He died in our place. And he made a way of salvation. A way that we couldn't make for ourselves. And Jesus' love is central to us in all of that. Absolutely. But consider also the integrity of Jesus. You know, at one point, Jesus asked those around him, Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? John 8, 45, or the way the message puts that same verse. Can any of you convict me of a single misleading word or a single misleading act or a single sinful act? Jesus Christ was completely above reproach, always fully consistent, remarkably whole and pure. Like his identity, his person, his desires, his actions, they were always in perfect alignment at all times. I mean, not only was he unified and whole within himself, but he was unified and perfectly aligned with the Father, too. Jesus said, whatever the Father does, the Son also does. And that's perfect unity. He says, I and the Father are one. Right? He also says, I do nothing on my own, but only speak what the Father has taught me. Jesus was always considering the eyes of his Father first. He lived for them first. The fear of man and what others thought of him was never a snare to him in the same way it is to us. Jesus was full of integrity. 
He was never divided in himself, and he was never divided against his father. But he was fully consistent and whole within himself and with his father. And because of Jesus' love and because of Jesus' integrity, he carried out the father's plan of salvation for our sake. And and then, so now the same Savior who, who has lived this way, who is this way for us and for our sakes, now he calls us to be people of integrity as we follow him, right? And to reflect his integrity to the world around us because it is for our good and it's also for the good of those that he puts around us. So let's pray. Lord God, I am mindful that um, each person here is thinking about the days ahead. I mean, for some, there's still one more, maybe another couple exams, papers, but we're also thinking about the days ahead and the winter break and transitions. And Lord, how does this theme of integrity connect to us? You know, and I pray that you would help us think about that. What will integrity look like if we're going back to our family and friends? What about when we're alone we have free time, what will integrity look like? What about if we're using time for these next several weeks to apply to jobs or to, to grad schools? Or what if we're on social media? Lord, what, what will our integrity look like? And, and so we invite you, by your spirit who is at work within us, to search us and to, to root out any offensive way within us and to lead us in the way everlasting by your grace. And I pray in the meantime that you would help us rest in the love and in the grace and in the integrity that you have have revealed to us in Jesus Christ. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He does not change. He is consistent. And his promises are secure because of that. So I pray that you would help each of us rest in him over these weeks. He has come to us. He has walked among us. He has died and rose again to give us us a new life. And so I pray that you would help us walk in that new life. We pray all these things in his name. Amen. Amen.